this show is part of the Goblin Broadcast Network, mate. You probably knew that, though. Step through the twilight lands with me. Through the darkening sunlight, come with me. If you let your eyes adjust, you'll follow the light of the old ones. They've come to dance by the straight tracks. It isn't far to go. You're walking along with me now. I'm guiding the way. This is my land. My domain. The Bear's Grove, they call this place. Sacred it is to life and light. See the tower at the standard of the Golden Bear? Come past the forge and well. Past the mine and spire. Come now into the hall they built of old. The old stories crowd round in the firelight waiting to be told. Be welcome round this hearth and hall. Hello and welcome to another Bears Grove. This is Sam Chupp, your guide here to what we do here at the Bears Grove, which is take care of all of your storytelling needs, especially as they apply to the art of role-playing. Uh, we are in a new location now. The secret Bears Grove uh, broadcasting base has moved, and frankly, I'm quite pleased at the new setup. Um, we are in the process of upgrading our equipment and of trying to get the various powers that be to recognize our existence, but uh, for the right now we are doing really well and I'm excited about the new location and hopefully we'll be able to get right back into podcasting and take care of some of this backlog of articles and topics that we've been waiting for. So hopefully this will be back to your regular Bears Grove time period after this. Just a few quick news and notes. We have a Cafe Press store available with t-shirts and stuffed animals, a stuffed bear, and uh, you might find that interesting, so give it a shot. And as well, I have put a donate button up on our blog site. If you care to donate just to say thank you or that, that you appreciate uh, what you hear on the Bears Grove, that's fine with me. I, it's totally up to you. Um, and finally, I wanted to say that uh, I'm in the process of getting my sound better and you might notice that we are part of two new gaming podcast networks which I'm very proud of um, the first is the gaming podcast network which is an affiliate of the science fiction podcast net network which is all part of the podcast entertainment network and then the second one is the is Goblin the gaming broadcast network so, uh, I've been incredibly impressed with the uh, loyal users who've come to me through those two uh, connections, and I really appreciate you being with me, and I hope that uh, this will be an excellent podcast for you to continue. Uh, 
listening to. Thanks so much. This show is part of the Out of This World Entertainment on the Sci-Fi Podcast Network, tsfpn.com. Next up, we have the Kids and Gaming section, where I promise to talk about gaming with teens. And what one of the things that uh, I want to let you know about gaming with teenagers is that it is not at all like gaming with younger children. First of all, they are as close to adults as you can get. So you're going to need to start treating them like equals. And although you can't do this as a parent, as a game master, it's a little easier to do. Um, And you start to think in terms of these people are going to be adults in a few years and they really do have their own opinions formed already. They don't need a lot of guidance per se um, unless they ask for it. And at that point, um, you can give them guidance. So here's what I did with my group of teens. Um, I created what I call a gaming buffet. Um, I took all of my game books and I laid them out on the kitchen table and I let them just look through them. I This is back before we decided what we were going to play, and I just sort of would, you know, if they asked me, uh, they would get a brief description of what the game was about. Um, but for the most part, I let them just look and pick up the books and experientially go through them. This really helped because what it did is it allowed them a chance to evaluate the games sort of on their own, uh, with their own perspective. Uh, I find that teenagers really trust their own perspective first, and then once they've formulated that perspective, they, they, they might be willing to hear other people's ideas, but what they want is to be able to come up with their own idea first. And of course, you know, your mileage may vary. You may have a different teenager altogether. I am the last person to want to lump all teenagers together. So when you are gaming with teenagers, let them choose the game you play. And then allow them to create the characters. I mean, this is their well past reading age. They should be able to sit down and suss out the character generation uh, process themselves. They really need to be able to create a background for their character. They need to be able to perhaps even bring in photographs or some other visual references for their characters. This is a part where you can really require them to do a little bit of extra work, but to make their characters more interesting as well. I might point out that they uh, really do enjoy being treated almost as if they are adults. And uh, you might decide to play a game with them that you might not normally play with children. For example, I went ahead and let my kids play Vampire the Masquerade. Now, you know, in my mind, I'm playing PG-13 rated uh, Vampire the Masquerade or, you know at the very least, a soft R, and, you know, for violence and that sort of thing. But, um, you know, I mean, hey, they're teenagers, they've dealt with a lot of this stuff, and 
what's more, I know their families. And that's really an, also an important thing when you're gaming with anybody's children, is to know what their parents are going to be okay with and what their parents are not going to be okay with. And to really know their parents well and, and be able to answer questions from their parents. So that's, I figured that with Vampire the Masquerade, with my group of people, I could run Vampire without having to worry too much about parents freaking out. And it has gone pretty well. I have had some difficult situations, and we've had to sort of sort of steer our way through. Uh, there was a time when there was a dead body that they had to deal with, and I got to play... Uh, Mr. Wolf from the Pulp Fiction movie, uh, which was a lot of fun, uh, come in and he basically was the vampire version of Mr. Wolf and he came in and he helped them deal with this dead body and that was a very cool little cameo and the kids, uh, some of the kids had not yet seen Pulp Fiction so they were not quite aware of it at the time but I figure once they finally do see it it'll be kind of an interesting thing for them. Basically, to get started with teens, you want to let them choose the game. You want to treat them as much as much as adult as you can. And you want to think in terms of, more of in terms of adults, but still giving them the kind of support that you would give children by suggesting courses of action if they ask. Once again, it's a question of, will they ask you? Will they trust you enough to say, look, I don't know this or I have no idea what to do, and can you tell me? And so that's the point at which you are actually able to give them guidance. But until then, things have changed. They're not kids anymore, and you need to treat them as if you know they're one of your peers. So I would really su suggest that uh, you, you find a group of teenagers to play with. They're, it's a lot easier to find a group of teenagers than it is to find a group of smaller children, especially if you don't have children of your own. And so my suggestion to you is that you look into that. I know that library programs exist now to run D&D. There's a lot of convention games. You can meet um, uh, you can meet teenagers through your church, through your uh, all kinds of organizations, Boy Scouts, whatever. And I would just encourage you to look around in your life and see, you know, do I have a nephew or do I have a niece or do I have a son or daughter or stepson or stepdaughter who has friends who might be interested in this cool way of spending an evening. It gets teenagers out of trouble and into something that's actually fun and a little, you know, and definitely beneficial to them and a little bit even educational. Next up, we have the Game Designers Workbench and we are take going slowly through the list of a lot of game design tools that I am recommending to those of you who are interested in getting into game design. And so I hope you enjoy it. So, getting right into the swing of things, tonight we have uh, our GM's Toolkit that we started in last uh, podcast that was a regular podcast for us. And I was right at the edge of talking about uh, creative tools you can use to good, do good game design. One of those creative tools that is available to you is your spontaneous creativity. 
the spontaneous creativity that you have is a result of how much time you've spent practicing uh, getting that level of creativity up to a certain point where you can use it at any time. So, creativity-wise, um, it can be very difficult for people to use their creativity um, because when you're young, that's very easy for you to do, and then most of growing up, the process of growing up and becoming an adult takes that sense of um, create creativity of raw creativity out of you and uh, I won't get into my own particular political viewpoints about why this is so but I can tell you that uh, I really if you feel that there are some serious uh, problems with this very uh, issue in our in our culture today however um, there are ways for you as an adult to go back and work on growing your creativity again. A lot of people I, I talk to who are writers, for example, tell me that they, they just don't feel... Sometimes they when they get started, they don't feel too creative. They feel like they're wasting their time. They're wasting the time of the people who are reading them. And really, I feel as though that is something that makes people... Um, reticent to do the creative work and I would like to say to those folks just give yourself permission to go forward and to write and to create even if that stuff that you first create as a result is not very good you don't have to be perfect coming out of the gate the same thing goes for designing games if you are going to be a good game designer, you're going to need to push yourself past the self-editor that is inside of you that's keeping you from having the good ideas. And you're going to have to allow yourself you have to get in touch with your own personal creativity as best you can. And one of the ways that you can do that is called free writing. And free writing essentially is sitting down and for about five minutes or some other timed segment, you just write whatever it is that you feel um, that comes to you. You write and you just let that all that you have, all the words that come to you sort of spill out of you. Now at first, it's going to suck. I mean, that's just basic. It's going to be terrible. And you're going to sit there and go, why am I bothering with this? What is the point? That's when you know you're really on the track of something big, something good. Because your self-editor is kind of like this little demon creature that lives inside your mind. And it wants you to not be creative. It wants to try and make you feel bashful or ashamed or somehow uh, irrelevant or unimportant. And it really wants to keep you from creating. And so 
it's happiest when it's able to tell you that you're the worst writer in the world, the worst game designer in the world, the worst storyteller in the world, and why would you even bother? And you have to just go past it. And the way that you do that is you just keep your hand moving. And I'm taking a lot of this advice from the famous poet Natalie Goldberg, who has written a number of really awesome writing uh, books about writing. And I really would recommend everything she's written to you because she does teach this kind of soldierly, you know, going forward no matter what kind of writing. Um, you know, if if you are writing and you are hit with a nuclear attack, keep writing. Um, you'll go go out writing. Uh, that's that's her point of view, and I really like that. It's very intense and powerful. But the uh, reason that you want to go forward past the complaints of your demon inside of you is that you that is where you get to the really good ideas and once you learn how to not listen to this demon uh you get to a point where you can go past it faster and faster and your strength your your creativity muscle as it were will grow and grow it it's hard you know it's really hard pushing out those first few words those first few paragraphs but i want you to stick with it and remember it's only for 15 minutes that the reason that there's a timer is that you could easily exhaust yourself and just go into grinding on the idea of I'm terrible. I can't I suck. So if something is not so basically if you have a time limit, you know that you can push yourself until that I mean past that, keep it going until the, the bell rings. That is what you must do. So that is my game masters, my game designers tool of the week. Next week, we will talk about organizational tools, including uh, wikis and mind maps and other sort of things. Uh, but first, I'd like to show, share with you this promo for a podcast I think you'll really like. Meep, meep, meep. Me. Sir, I'm picking up a non-encrypted civilian transmission on an Alliance Special Ops Communications Band. I've triangulated it in the direction of Osiris. Great. Put it on the speaker comm, officer. <coughs> Entity broadcasting on the secure Alliance comm band SMG5X5. Identify yourself. Hello? Is this thing on? Roger, roger. One detail now. Ma'am, this is a reserved alliance, military communication frequency. You are going to have to switch to a civilian frequency or will be forced to fire upon your vessel. Oh, hello. Joyce, we got a young man on the radio. Young man, I need help. Request for assistance has been issued. <sighs> Sir, I'm logging this as a Class B distress call. Thank you, comm officer. What seems to be the problem, ma'am? Young man, we need a source for news about the Weedenverse, and we don't know where to get it. Weedenverse. Uh, Calm officer, is that ring a bell for you? Uh, yes, sir. I believe that she's talking about Joss Whedon, sir. That's right, young man. 
Joss Whedon, he writes, directs. Yes, yes, ma'am. I I know who Joss Whedon is. What you need to do is hit the net and find The Week in Whedon. It's a weekly podcast of news and events within the universe of Joss Whedon's work. So it's covering Firefly, Serenity, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Angel, uh, X-Men, some fan activity, all sorts of stuff. Hmm, what about the trivia? Oh, how we love the trivia. Yes, yes, ma'am. In addition to news, The Week in Whedon has the trivia. Uh, it has an eBay prop watch. You can find props from the shows, some conversational Chinese, and occasionally they'll play a great song that you might not have heard before. You can find them on the net at malkuth.org slash WIW or in most of the big podcast directories, including iTunes. Sir, there's another transmission starting on this band. I'm demoting this from a distress call and initiating a security cleanup protocol. The Weekend Weedon. Well, aren't you just a peach? Thank you, young man. Comlink severed, sir. I've jammed the source and I'm ready to dispatch an Azrev-class strike ship. Good work, officer. Uh, give him a few minutes to listen to the show first, then dispatch cleanup crew to wipe him out and reclaim any base elements from the wreckage. I'm hungry. How about a sandwich? The Week in Whedon, your weekly podcast for all of the Joss Whedon news you can shake a steak at. What I like most about the Week in Whedon is the interplay between uh, the uh, hosts. They have a wonderful chemistry with each other. They're married. But I just, I love how they are simultaneously loving and snarky. Um, and it's just a, a lovely thing to listen to, even if you don't like Joss Whedon, which. I would imagine a lot of people who listen to this podcast would like Joss Whedon. So, if you're interested, give it a shot. And that about wraps it up for this week at the Bears Grove. This podcast comes to you as a Creative Commons license attribution. No derivatives, no commercial use. And we say that because we mean it and we love it. And so I bid you farewell until the next time. Good night. I'm going to leave you with the music of Brother Love singing his song, Summertime, on the Podsafe Music Network.
Since you're gone, I've been down and out.